The following is a production by Cutting to the Chase Podcast. Stebbins, what's up? Thanks for coming on to this podcast with me. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. Always uh, always happy to talk to a fellow fan-sided alum. <laughs> exactly right. I know, because I, I, I felt like our times definitely crossed over at Cubby's Crib. Um, I was actually talking with Jacob Meisner right after, I think the playoffs had just ended back in October, and he mentioned you and was like, you know, it's really cool to see what Tim is doing, and I was really impressed when I saw, I don't know when it was now, within the last, what, year or two, seeing what you're, you're doing big things over NBC Sports Chicago, digital content creator, uh, contributing to the uh, NBC Sports Chicago Cubs Talk podcast, which we'll get into a little bit later, but yeah, how is it? How is it going over there? How did all that come about? Yeah, well, I, I appreciate that for one. Um, I'll try not to be too, too much of a narcissist, I guess. But I, I, I interned there in college, and um, I was entering senior year because I interned as a junior, and a position opened up uh, part time where, like, kind of on the desk, and you, you'd write, but it wasn't one team specific. And um, I'm happy I did it. I was kind of hesitant at the time, like, man, like school and. I said, I should go for this because the industry, like, obviously, you know, it's like, it's so, yeah. this industry is tough and there's a chance out there. So I, I applied for it. And uh, a couple months later, I got brought back on. So nice. not right after my internship. And here I am now. That's awesome. Yeah. So, and you've, how long have you been over there already at uh, NBC Sports Chicago? Yeah. So that was like August, 2018. And I was, okay. I was like in that part-time role, um, until like february 2020 nice. so wow wow okay yeah so then it became a, a full-time role with uh, as a cubs content writer and uh then we know what happened right as entering the first season in that position so the, the timing was kind of funny with that right at least you got full-time though even in the midst of a horrible year otherwise with everything you know of course everything going on so it's awesome though that you're full-time and doing what you're doing now and yeah i was curious do you kind of uh, i guess when news breaks are you kind of like on call so to speak or how do you kind of manage that when especially in the off season like we were talking about chris bryant potential rumors things flying around how does that kind of work for you yeah well i should you mentioned right before everything changed like i should say i'm very very thankful to have gotten this opportunity i know it's like right. I, I gotta mention that um because who knows um yeah we we have three cubs writers so gordon wintenmeyer is our insider and in our, our kind of a columnist role and obviously he has 13 years before 2021, I think, before 2020, maybe, as a beat writer for the Cubs. And we have Maddie Lee, who's our, our other beat writer. And then um, I'm in that third role that, like, the, the blogging, the content creation. So I'm, I'm we all have, like, our schedules and stuff, and I'm built around the games. And um, when stuff happens, we, we just collaborate, you know, like, with them two, because they obviously are, you know, really tuned in, and I would say more than me that right. I'm just happy to help any way I can with that. So, you know, okay, we'll get, I'll get this angle and Maddie will get this angle and I'll get this angle. So it's, it's really nice because we don't have to really combine it into like throw it on one person's plate, I guess, you know, like we, we all right. have, we have our lanes and it, it's very, I think it's, it's, it's working great and it's worked really well in the first season. And I'm hoping it's just going to keep getting better as we kind of just get into a normal rhythm, like with the, right. the first year with <laughs> right. Zooms. 
Oh, I know. Yeah. So I, I obviously everything is remote. Um, but once things get back to normal and will you be at Wrigley covering games, you think, or I guess what is that looking like for you potentially with your role? And, you know, I, I didn't know if whether, whether you'd be in the stadiums or if you just kind of would be doing your normal thing, like you would be, but outside of Wrigley, I guess. Yeah. You see me in my childhood bedroom here. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like I, I would, you know, I would, I would imagine it depends, I guess. Like, I went to a game out of the 60 um, because first and foremost, I mean, we have two other people going to games, every home game. And then at the same time, like they, they definitely had to limit, you know, people like they couldn't just say we have, yeah, whoever, I don't really know how the system works to be honest, like how they would hand out press passes before I'd, I'd be lying if I said I did, but I know for a fact that they had to be safer and distance people. So in that sense, I, I got to one game this year, which was totally fine. And, um, yeah. That's cool, though. Yeah, but when when it's normal, you know, I, I I'm hopeful to. I think it's to hopeful to help any way I can. I guess so. If it's a 81 game home grind, like there's going to be times where uh, I imagine Maddie or Gordon can't go for a weekend, and I would I would step in. And um, so I definitely wouldn't be going like 81 162. But I, I'm thinking there's going to be opportunities there. But man, this this the COVID the pandemic is it's obviously changed a lot of things and right, right, right. Who knows how, yeah, uh, that's right. Until it's back to normal with press boxes and in the spacing and you were right up against people. And, uh, I went, I went last there September, 2019 and it, it was a Cubs Cardinal series and it was packed. And I don't know who knows when it's going to be like that again. Right. I know. I know. Uh, just about this time last year, of course, or a little bit, you know, until like March when we started thinking about March Madness and no fans. And I thought that's the weirdest thing ever. And now fans are starting to sprinkle back into different events like the Buffalo Bills playoff game I was just watching and things like that. But it's hard to imagine regular, fully packed stadiums again, at least right away. Just kind of weird to think like sitting with all kinds of random people all around you again. It's just kind of funny to think about now. Yeah, I mean, it's worse now than it was like when you were saying when we all saw the sports getting first shut down. And, and in spite of that, we're still pers- pushing through with fans in, in, in attendance for a, a lot of these leagues, these, these college sports and some of the uh, the pro NFL stadiums. It is weird. And um, I think I think it's Jesse Rogers. It was him in September. He reported the Cubs were obviously not planning that full capacity to start 2021. And I did a thing yesterday, like Rizzo had a Anthony Rizzo had a message for Cubs fans. And in that, I mentioned that, that, that they had Jesse Rogers had reported that plan of theirs, but we obviously all know that who knows like what April is going to look like if they're even playing in April. I, I know their spring training is a go. It's planned to start on time, but I think everyone has the same understanding that that's fickle or it could change based on whatever happens with the, uh, with COVID in the next few weeks or even months. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. And I know they're talking about maybe starting the season in May. So like you said, whatever, whatever normal means anymore or what it might mean <laughs> in the future, hopefully we get there. But uh, I'm, 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 I guess I'm optimistic uh, for what it's worth as far as baseball, but bigger than baseball, just in general, better 2021, hopefully. So anyway, though, it's really awesome. Like I said, I think I think we were both at Cubby's Crib at the same time, but I definitely remembered you there. And when I saw you on, I started seeing your uh, your Zooms popping up on Facebook, and I was like, man, this guy's doing it big now. Like, this is awesome. <laughs> so, and I mean, I do this for fun, but you're doing it. You're making a career of it. So hats off. It's awesome to see you having your success so far and just keep doing it. I appreciate that, man. Yeah, I'm, I, uh, Cubby's Crib was uh, it was definitely a, something that when I joined, it was for fun, you know, like growing right, up in, right. 
I think you're in, you're in Ohio, or is that right? Or it- I was. I'm in Virginia now, but um, yeah, I uh, actually when I started with the crib, I was already here in Virginia. But I am from Ohio, yeah. So you remember that? Yeah, I, I remember that. Cause my dad's from Ohio, so like, right. I'm an, I'm one of the the Ohio State fans that everyone likes to hate. There on. you go. There you yeah, go. I joined Cubby's crib because I grew up here, and it was like, yeah, it's a chance to write, and it, those guys those guys really helped me get to where I am now. And um, right. We talked about Jake Meisner and the, the, he's the the site expert there and the editor and it's like they gave it a chance and it was that was yeah. a great website it still is like that that website was in the fan side network that they, they they do things really well there and they they have great content and they you go to some such sites and maybe it's not as active but Cubby's Crib is really active and they they do great stuff there yeah Jacob and Nick Blazik so uh two of the ex- side experts over there so shout out them but yeah that, I was over there a few different times uh they were always fun to work you know right with right under all that so but uh yeah it's funny you mentioned that your dad being from Ohio because I was just literally listening to your guys's Cups Talk podcast when he had the, <laughs> the the predictions and you meant and you were wearing the uh Akron Rubber Ducks hat and mentioned the Ohio, and I was like, oh, cool, I'm going to write that down, because, yeah, like you said, I'm from Ohio also, and, you know, it's funny, I used to intern with the Flying Squirrels here in Richmond, so I was familiar with Akron as far as just another double-A team. Uh, I remember the name and the logo, so I'd have, I need to look at that logo again, but I, I remember thinking, that's a cool uh, that's a cool logo. Here, here, this is great radio, great podcast, I'll, I'll get the hat again. <laughs> I, I did this on the Cubs Talk podcast, and David Kaplan said, you know this isn't yep. live recording. I'm like, I know, like this is this is what we call good radio. I go. just think that's like hilarious. That. It's literally a rubber duck on a hat. Um, I like it, I know, yeah. And the Flying Squirrels logo has been, that, that logo is really cool too, and I know that's been up for one of those like best logos in minor league baseball or whatever, so... I, th- I like how it's it's something so simple like a squirrel, but they made it really like a cool logo. Or in this case, the rubber ducks. So I like it. Yeah, I think there's a new team this year. It might be the Angels Farm System. It's the the Trash Pandas, and it's literally oh wow, it's like a red panda, and like it's it's got like armor on, but it's like a trash can, and they they just really I can imagine they get that. creative. Right, it's, it's right. just hilarious. Yeah, minor league baseball. <laughs> I mean it. It's so underrated. I mean. You know, with the talk last year about them trying to eliminate teams here and there, but man, after working in minor league baseball, the grind is unreal. I mean, it's just such an underrated sport across the board with all the employees and staffs and teams and the creativity that goes behind it all. So, yeah, it's a shame that they 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 contracted teams, and I know those teams are still going to be in leagues and uh, they're still going to be in those communities, but they're it's definitely different. We both know that. Like, if you're 20 2016 or whatever and you see glaber torres and down in myrtle beach or wherever the lowest cubs system was before wherever he was before they traded him like that's that's so different and it's it's nothing against the players that are going to be in those independent leagues but that's such a big part of those communities and losing 40 some teams right right around there it's it's going to be different that's for sure but um that's that's where we are now, I guess. That's where we are. Well, we'll go ahead and get into the a lot of the the pop. Well, not popular news for Cubs fans, but the big news. <laughs> so, of course, the the Chris Bryant stuff has been swirling for a while, and it sounds like you know, as of this morning, it sounded like potentially a trade could happen. Who knows whether it's the Mets or whatever other team out there? But for me, going back to probably the beginning of last season, so beginning of 2020, I started thinking more about the potential of a trade because of the fact that he wasn't signed long-term, the whole free agency thing, maybe the team wants to shake up the core. 
I actually, not I won't say I anticipated a Darvish trade, but I was throwing that out there as well on podcasts. And Jacob, we were mentioning him. I actually, I think he was the first one I asked that question to. So I thought, you know, big trade ship. Now, I think the return was a bit uh, underwhelming as far as what fans were expecting versus what maybe they end up being. Who knows? But uh, as far as Darvish, Bryant, were you surprised by either the Darvish trade or the potential of Bryant going somewhere? I mean, it seems kind of, I think we're all expecting that kind of potential to happen, basically. Yeah, as far as Darvish, I think what it was surprising was how how quick that came up because you know like you like I, I was talking to to Gordon and we didn't want to just throw something out there like Darvish trade partners because there really wasn't any indications that that was something that was out there like obviously you're not saying they weren't considering it because clearly it was out there in their minds but um the Padres made a lot of sense just because like we said they had that farm system it's one of the top three in baseball and um I was surprised how quick it came together and in terms of the return yeah, like they, they've really the, – the prospect capital is gold in baseball now, and the Dodgers have made a living with this where you trade for Machado, you traded for Darvish in 2017, you traded for Mookie Betts, and um, different different contract situations for each of them, you know, entering last year, I think Machado and Darvish, and then Mookie was something like if you acquire him, you're going to have to try to resign him for a lot of money. But, yeah, I, I, I guess I wasn't surprised that they didn't get – you know, Mackenzie Gore or something, but I, I was looking at names and even someone like Chris Paddock, who's in the big leagues now, or Jake Cronenworth, uh, I thought that could be out there, but teams are holding on to these young guys more tightly than ever. And the Cubs deal, I think a lot of Cubs fans are are they're mad about it because they don't see the Padres number two, number three prospect. But what happens was you get some of these dudes in their system and they're already, I think Preciado's ranked ninth or 10th. So it, it it definitely was good for their system. It it didn't obviously put them up in the top two or three, but the bottom line is they they got some farm system depth. But those guys are – it's a risky deal just because of the fact they're teenagers, three of them. And uh, Yeah, right. I think it's Santana. He's 20. So that that, that part of the deal, like, I guess I, I would have expected something different, but I wouldn't say it's bad just because we don't know what they're they're going to be. And that's that's the risky part. Brian's interesting too. Um, Brian's seemingly been in trade rumors for three off seasons now. Yeah, right. So I think at this point, I would be. I don't want to say I'd be surprised if he was traded. That that's kind of that's kind of putting it. That's being a little ridiculous. But um, we've we've thought this was going to happen for two years now. Nothing, and even in 2020 with the trade deadline, you know, they didn't even have a chance to do that because of the shortened season. I know there was a trade deadline, but not the same way. Um, yeah, so I don't know, like if they, if they do trade him, I, I wouldn't be surprised at this point, but what they could get back for him with entering last year of club, club control. And he only played 34 games last year and it wasn't a good offensive showing, but it was only 34 games. Like who knows what they could get back at this point. It's, it's a tough market. It's tough. Yeah. Because, you know, with Bryant, you said the, the down season and buy a same thing. If they're going to trade these guys, it seems like they're selling low, obviously, because whoever gets a guy like Bryant, maybe it's one year and he's gone or whatever, but it's probably a bargain. And then we saw what they just got for Darvish. And it's like, well, what are you going to get for Chris Bryant then? I mean, he Darvish almost won the Cy Young last year. And if we're kind of questioning that return, uh are they just looking to dump salary for the sake of dumping salary, which is what it kind of felt like. So if it's Bryant Contreras is another name, who knows? Yeah, I know what you mean. It's it's if Bryant gets traded, 
or really anything. I think the most surprising thing for me this offseason was Len Casper going to the White Sox. I did not, no one saw that coming. Darvish, I was like, oh, wow. What surprised me again was it came right after Blake Snell got traded to San Diego from Tampa. I think we all, or at least I was among the people that thought they just got Snell. They're probably not going to get Darvish. And then right away, next day, boom, done. And then, sure, we're getting non or uh, not getting tendered a contract. Uh, I wasn't super surprised, but it was kind of like Ray's eyebrows, interesting. And now he's with the Nats, of course. I've been ex- I've been anticipating something to happen, and it just feels like while that's happening, it's at the expense of what's going to happen on the field in 2021 and so on. I kind of liken the Cubs right now to it. Sound- it feels like a funeral around the team because <laughs> all the news sounds bad. But we're talking about a team that won the Central, and the NL Central is not great, it seems like, on paper. So they could still contend, whatever that means. You know, They may not be great, but they might still be in the picture at least. Yeah, Schwarber was interesting. I, I mentioned him as a non-tender guy like October, late October, and I, it kept coming up on our podcast, and I started to feel like I was coming off bashing him after a while. But it was <laughs> it made from a pure financial standpoint, that made sense. But I said at the time, and he got, I think, one for $10 million from the Nationals, and right. he was only projected to make around eight in arbitration. So naturally, like you go out in the open market, you, you could get – bigger offers but it, it was a cost-saving move and um this market especially you saw a lot of non-tenders i think it was a, a record number of them so they could in theory find similar production for less than the eight million tag yeah it's, it's weird man like the I, I think you're right they definitely could win the central next year i don't the brewers haven't added the cardinals haven't added but the cardinals are definitely the if you're talking about the cubs being a candidate for the central the cardinals are their stiffest competition if not the the favorite maybe like they they had a great year dealing with as much as they did with covid and that's with those issues that people thought like they don't have a middle of the bat uh middle of the bat hitter after ozuna left and then the, the pirates are rebuilding and the reds are i don't know what the reds are doing the reds right right they, they traded their closer and, and bowers seemingly bowers not we don't think he's gonna go back obviously nah. they're shopping castillo and gray apparently it's that that division's not good and that's the bottom line and if brian's back the cubs the Cubs will be – it's all going to be pitching. That's what it always is, of course. But that, that's still not a bad team. If you trade Brian, it's a little different story. But in spite of losing Darvish, that's a huge loss. You don't really replace him in your rotation. But that's yeah. not a bad team on paper. Right. Yeah, I mean, it could be a good team when you have – if you have Bryant, Contreras, Baez, if they're all there and they all play like we're capable – or what, what they're capable of doing, right. not us, what they're doing – if that lineup can just figure it out, and that's been the big question mark forever since uh, really 18, I guess, but the offense has just been a question mark. 16 was looking like an anomaly as far as how great they were consistently, and they figured it out in the second half of 17, but eight, ever since the end of 17, they just haven't been able to figure it out. It's just been a component has been missing here or there. So interesting to say the least as far as the way the Cubs are. Uh, if the Cubs don't trade Bryant, not only... <laughs> I mean, forget today, but let's say they don't trade him this offseason. Do you think that he could be traded at the trade deadline next season? Or do you think if they go into the season with Brian, he's probably there and then free agency and then he's gone, potentially gone? That's that's an interesting question. It, it kind of reminds me of of Cleveland. If I'm if I'm if I'm not wrong, when they traded Trevor Bauer, did they make the playoffs that year? They traded into Cincinnati in nineteen? I believe so. Yeah. I can't remember who they played it. Oh, then they played Houston actually. Okay, right. So there's been precedent for this. Like you trade a, I'm not talking about like the white flag trade back in the 90s, but 
yeah, I think if they traded him around the deadline, that's not that's not completely shocking to think it could happen. But what you're the problem you run into is this. I want to say like Chris Bryant was an all-star in 2019. And the first half, I think before he had that knee injury that I think it was against the Giants in late July that started uh, affecting him the rest of the season. I think he was like a 390 on base guy, a, a high 200s hitter. Uh, he was hitting for power, but we know that the ball was juiced by, he's still a power hitter. So you don't want to take away those numbers. And then his numbers got zapped. So I, I would like to see like what people think about Chris Bryant, if that knee injury didn't happen or his production didn't slump in the second half, the way it did. Um, but the point being is that Chris Bryant, people like to look at 2020 and, and wow, like this guy is bad. It's like, dude, yeah, right, he's right. Th- even if you don't think he's an MVP, perennial MVP candidate anymore, there's, recent history suggests that he's a top tier player and i think i wrote that in i wrote that in one of my pieces that maybe it was i did a thing breaking down how every team comes into the conversation as a brian trade partner and i think someone said on twitter like he's not a top tier player anymore i'm like come on like you can say he's not maybe not mvp guy but come on um but yeah the point being though like if you if he's if he's back to that i'm not even he doesn't have to be a 300 400 on base guy if he's 280 and 380 or something and you trade him from your lineup especially depending on what everyone else does then what does that mean for you like if you get something back people might be able to accept that but with with how much the roster has changed you're going to need that guy in your lineup and it might just come down at that point if you're good enough and you're you're not just right in the playoff picture you're firmly in it I don't know how you could trade that guy even if it means yeah we don't really plan to resign him and he walks like the problem with baseball is we've seen in recent years, people are prioritizing other things besides just winning, which is really strange. Like you trade Mookie Betts and you trade for right. Francisco Lindor. Right, right. It's a weird trend we've got it's, going on. You know, it's so easy. Like I I wasn't necessarily like thinking about the owner's side of things. Um, you know, I, I remember watching like with the Yankees back in the day. We would see them after, you know, for me with that team, it was – the late nineties, of course, were the glory years. And then they were still really good, obviously in the two thousands, but after Oh three, they started really going for it. Like with a rod and getting guys, Randy Johnson at in that, well, I think it was like Oh five Oh six and Kevin Brown. And it was like, okay, after a while of giving up bad contracts. So I kind of started to think about, you know, even like Moneyball. I get trying to prioritize the prospects or the players that are kind of like quote unquote undervalued, uh, not necessarily throwing big time money at superstars, but now it's like you said, Mookie Betts. What are we trying to do here? Like, are owners really? I mean, are they just only looking at it from the business side? Like, I get it. They're billionaires. They made their billions. It's definitely interesting. And like with the Cubs right now, I know 2020, as far as COVID and everything, was unforeseen. A couple, you know, the year before that, obviously, and they had the huge renovation projects going on. And I don't know what the uh, end goal is for this team right now with Ricketts at the helm. I feel like Jed's in a bad spot because he's trying to, as the president, he's trying to put a good face on it, a good spin, but everything that they're doing looks like it's all cost-cutting. They have to get so much money off the books. Are they really going to be able to be relevant? Like we said, they might be able to in a bad division. The goodwill that Ricketts might have had, <laughs> like around 16, just seems like it's just evaporated fast because of the way things have been trending downward. Back to my main point, I was going to say, I wasn't 
I didn't really mind that the Cubs didn't necessarily go after a guy like Bryce Harper or Manny Machado a few years ago. They're just signing guys like Daniel Descalso and Steven Souza. Nothing against them, but that's not going to move the needle at the same time. So it's like you said, it's just weird with the way baseball is right now with the spending. That's why it's fun watching the Mets new owner go in there and just go for it right off the bat. Yeah, and he's really active on Twitter, and he's pretty open about it. The thing with Brian, like, I, I I should say, like, even if they were to trade him, like, right now, if we were just non-COVID, like, the, the conversation about whether the Cubs and Brian will even reach an extension has been a – this, this is not a new conversation. Right. Um, neither has been trading him. So, it you know, I don't, I don't want to say anything bad about spending habits. Like, for, for what right. we've seen – we can say this, right? The Cubs haven't spent money on a major free agent in the offseason since 2015 with uh, Jason Hayward, Ben Zobrist. They got Kimbrel in June 2019, obviously, but it's been a few winters, unless you count like Brandon Morrow and uh, I think Chatwood and I guess Darvish too. So it was Darvish, yeah, yeah. besides Darvish, I should say. Um, if they, for all we know, like if they're back in the market next year, in the offseason market, they had like this is the bottom line. The luxury tax has been an issue in recent years. Right. You throw the the COVID where you didn't hit your expected revenues into the picture. Um, they're well under the luxury tax now. And if they can get some semblance of a revenue closer to than what they got this year, because obviously they didn't come close to expected revenues in 2020. In theory, that should put them without the luxury tax factor closer to back in the market in a sense, like just just supplementing this roster and um at the same time, that could be okay. Where we extend Javi Baez, they extended Rizzo, or Contreras. If those moves happen, and you trade Bryant, and then you're in the offseason market, like like Jed Hoyer even said, when it's appropriate, essentially paraphrasing, he said, when it's the right time, we'll be back in there. Well, if next offseason is the right time, like that team, people just think this team is going to be tanking in like last place. They still have the resources to go out right. and do that. Um, so I'd like to see what they do next winter. Basically, long story short, it's, that could that could answer a lot of fans' questions about what this team is doing and what direction they're going in. Yeah, um, that reminds me because I had on one of my recent podcasts, I had a guy, uh, Jeff Everson, who's he's a big Twitter guy. But anyway, uh, he made a good point too. He said, "I don't think Jed is just suddenly an idiot, or after working with Theo for all these years, he didn't just suddenly not know what he's doing. Like I think he does have a plan." It's so easy to micromanage every day. You're on Twitter seeing things and wondering what's happening. And I get that. But yeah, like you said, it you know, a year from now, maybe they're big players in free agency. Maybe the revenues are closer to what they would expect. And Ricketts is, you know, green lighting the let's go and do this, do that. It's gonna be interesting for sure to see how uh twenty twenty one plays out anyway on the field, off the field. Obviously bigger things are happening besides just baseball, but do you think Baez, do you, do you foresee that extension potentially happening by opening day this year? Opening day is an interesting point. Um, or even just in 2021 in general? I think I think it'll be done. I really do. Um, what's, what's something to think about is they were engaged on that before COVID hit. And you've got to wonder just with finances and the financial climate, like, what what does that offer look like now compared to whatever they were talking about then? Um, and in that case, is that something where I don't I don't I don't have, I have no context, right? I don't know if anyone has context about what that what they are where they're at right now. But is he more willing if they're offering something less because of everything that's happened? Is he more willing to take that because of the the loaded shortstop market and then um, just the everything that happened? The financial security is is huge now. Um, 
I think that'll get done though. I, I do. Like, even even people talk about trading Contreras, and I don't. He's definitely their most valuable trade asset from the position right. players. He's got the club control. He he's shored up his defensive efficiencies that people pointed to with the framing, and he he's definitely a great all around catcher. Even that, I don't know if that would make sense. I know it could bring back a certain haul. So if they're blown out of the water by an offer, like we'll give you two of our top five prospects, maybe three, then that's something to consider. But right. The way he's improved is is not to say no one else works hard on the Cubs, but he's he, he's addressed his issues that people always pointed to in his game. And I don't even talk about the offense in 2020 because everyone else in the weird nature of the season, his issue was framing people thought, and he fixed that. He has the big arm. He's athletic behind the plate. And even, you know, you, you talk about investing in catchers and how age affects them. Well, he can move around. He came up as a third baseman. He can play outfield and whatever, you know, whatever happens with Rizzo, not to say they wouldn't extend him, but depending on how long those contracts were, he could play first eventually. So, Right. I, I wouldn't even trade Contreras. And that's where this has been the Cubs problem, I guess. When, and I'm I'm just reenacting it where they held on to their guys too long. And who knows what will happen. But I would try to keep him. Yeah. I mean, Contreras is another one. I was just going to say, I know there's the rumblings like maybe the Angels, maybe Joe Maddon once. I could see why teams would want him. If you can build around Contreras, maybe it's Baez course Rizzo now I know Rizzo's probably not a guy you would trade I know uh obviously he's back but he's one I've thought about too not that I would want to see him traded but and I don't know that he would even bring the return or the value anyway I'm sure he's Rizzo feels like the type of guy that if you were ever going to trade him it'd be like a deadline deal for a team that needs pop but not I mean he's been very consistent it's not like he wouldn't be a huge boost for anybody but you know being over 30 already I just don't foresee that kind of thing like you said they were gonna make a trade maybe it's Contreras or whoever but um you know Ian Happ has been a guy that had a great year last year one of the few bright spots really and even Hayward's offense kind of came back a little bit do you think Ian Happ's kind of I mean it's probably hard to say we talked about the 60 game season last year and it's I mean you can't dismiss it but it's also like well certain players had maybe down years in the short season but what about Ian Happ on the other side of that short season but had a big year do you think he's kind of more, I don't know, what, what is he? Is he kind of what we saw last year, or was that just a, sh- a small sample, and is he kind of more of what we've seen before last year? I like to think that, well, here's the thing. He had a great first month, 30 games, and September didn't really go as well. He did hit well in the playoffs, though, against a pretty pretty decent Marlins pitching staff. There, it wasn't just a flash in the pan in 2020, I like to think. He, he was pretty dang good in the second half of 2019 after coming back from that AAA stint. I think this will be the key year for him, though, in terms of answering that question, not just for we're talking about like the Cubs. I don't think the Cubs are sitting here saying, wow, like, yeah, that was only a shortened season. But you want to see it across 162 or whatever 2021 is going to be in terms of games. And um, I like what he's done. He He's really the strikeouts. It's not like he's down like 10, 15 percent, but he's cut them down heavily. And um, he's someone that if he if he comes back this year. 270 280 hitter we know he has the pop he took well to the leadoff spot for that matter too yeah yeah that's someone that i think they're gonna you know even have smart too but they're gonna have to look at that and like extension talks right like Ian have i say he's smart because he's he's the, the team's player players association rep and he's privy to those conversations about the cba and what that might look like so that's certainly a, an interesting factor if those extension talks were to be uh brought up 
but I like Ian Happ. He's a switch hitter. He hits for power. He can play all around the outfield, even if maybe some people think maybe center field's not. I mean, they, they, they're comfortable playing in center, but maybe some teams maybe don't see that. But um, that's someone that, back to what I said about Contreras, that guy was demoted because he was struggling. And he came back and he, he showed that he was he, – he focused and he locked in. He made those adjustments. And that's someone that also – Obviously, we got to see what he does this year, but I, I think he's definitely on the right track for, for them. So going back to the Cubs Talk podcast, I was listening to the, the bold predictions, and I know one of yours was Zach Davies would have a better ERA than you, Darvish, <laughs> which I think, I don't know if it was you, it was probably you or someone I think mentioned it anyway, that you know, you're thinking about the NL West. The Dodgers are tough, you know, different competition, who knows. But yeah, I mean, that, that could be a bright spot for the Cubs if at least Zach Davies, assuming Kyle Hendricks is still on the team, of course, he, he doesn't get traded, but you have Hendricks, Davies, and Davies has a better ERA than than Darvish. That could be a, a good sign for 2021. Yeah, I like this rotation in the sense, I think it has potential, right? You're not going to replace you, Darvish, if he comes back and uh, pitches like he has the last year and a half, which is, if you think about it, it only adds up to like, three-fourths of a season because this season was so short and the second half is only half a season. But I like I like Davies a lot. The, the people talk about that the Brewers-Padres trade from last offseason where the Brewers gave up Davies and Trent Grisham. And Trent Grisham, you know, he's established himself as the Padres center fielder and uh, Davies had a 270 ERA. And the Brewers have always been looking for starting pitching. And they got Eric Lauer back, who I don't think he did. You know, he didn't really perform as well as maybe they had hoped and uh, Luis Arias was banged up, the infielder. That was a weird trade. I I, I think Davies is a solid starter. He, he's not the power guy that Darvish is, but um, he's definitely a, a, a solid, you know, two or a three maybe, I'd say. If he was, if Darvish is in the rotation still, he's probably your three. But I think Cap even brought it up. I don't, Cap said he thinks, that he predicted, bold prediction that he'd win 16 games, but he followed that with, and then they hand him a contract extension. That, does, that makes a lot of sense to me, especially depending what this year looks like for him, because He's only 20, I think he's turning 28 in this coming next couple months or so. And uh, he's young. You could get him cost controlled. And he's probably not going to break your bank because he's not necessarily a power guy. Um, and that would give your rotation more certainty for the next couple of years. Along with, you know, Alec Mills, see what he can do. You know, he had a, a solid first year in the rotation. And then uh, Edward Alzali really came on late. He, he, he developed that slider that turned into a wipeout slider. So the rotation has potential. It's just it's kind of a matter of seeing how the parts all fit together and then filling it out. And then you're going to need depth this year because the weird nature of last season. Yeah. I was always a guy that I'm looking at. So I'm hoping that uh, he can really establish himself there. That would really help of course. And yeah, I, I like Kendricks a lot. I've always liked him. I know in my mind, he's the, an ace anyway. I know that last year Darvish when he was there was still, I mean, he really came on he came on in the second half of 19, but and I know that Hendricks kind of has he'll have to kind of has to adjust at times. He'll kind of have like a tough stretch, but then he always figures it out. So I trust Hendricks a lot, and I like him, you know, going forward. Assuming, like I said, I don't know. I don't think I don't know. I don't know that his name's ever popped up in trade discussions. But I've seen people say like, "Wait, is Hendricks going alongside Bryant somewhere?" So who knows? <laughs> I doubt it. I would be very. That would actually probably make me more mad if Hendricks got traded because. We're talking about a team that still has potential, and I think Hendricks is a guy that you keep. I don't, I don't think you trade Hendricks, but you know, whatever, whatever Jed's doing, uh, I guess he has a plan for it. But I, I do think Hendricks is there. But you know, before I let you go, 
it's a, it, it would be easy to ask you, what do you see the team doing the rest of the offseason? And we can address that. But I guess to put you on the spot right now, on opening day, is Chris Uh-oh. Bryant, is Chris Bryant, Baez, forget extensions, but is Bryant on the team, Baez, uh, Contreras, or do you do you foresee any kind of potential trade or even acquisition that, you know, maybe happens, maybe big or small, but just something? Do you see this team kind of uh, making any kind of moves the rest and of the we way? Say- when we say moves, do we say, obviously, if you trade someone, you get something back. But is the focus of this question moving people away? Yeah, yeah. I guess I'm, I'm more curious if, if you think that this team is probably making more significant departures than additions. Or do you think it's kind of maybe a big departure, but also a nice addition as far as not necessarily prospect. Well, probably would be a prospect return if we're talking about a big departure, like a like a Chris Bryant going somewhere. But yeah, do you foresee, we've seen a lot of kind of small deals, minor league depth kind of signings. So do you foresee it's more like that? Or do you think they're looking at, I don't know, name the player that could be brought on for at least this season? Well, I think it's, there's, there's, I got two things, right? They're definitely going to have to sign some guys and not just uh, split deals or, for, sign you a minor league deal and chance to compete in spring training. Although that's what they did with Kipnis and uh, he was on the roster. I don't know. I think they've shed so much money at this point that they're not near the luxury tax. And even with the revenue then hit the numbers that they thought they would because COVID that they're going to have to add, you know, they have three outfielders right now. And the third is Philip Irvin. I, I said this on one podcast. I think it was when, when the Cubs traded Darvish and I, I brought up, does this mean that they could, they should be in position, if I'm not wrong, right, guys, that they could go and get someone like Tommy Lestella. And I think the overwhelming response on our podcast was, what's the point? Well, it's that's not a, a wrong sentiment, but the point is, I guess, that you're still trying to compete in a, a division that's very winnable. So I do see something like that. I think they're going to – they're gonna. I don't know if it's Lestella necessarily, but there's contact bats on in the market that could make sense for them. And Cesar Hernandez is another one from Cleveland. Um and they, they have to supplement this roster, especially if they don't trade anybody. And I don't, I see all the Chris Bryant buzz, but I mean, running through the list, I don't think they're going to, they're not going to trade Anthony Rizzo. Anthony Rizzo right. and Kyle Hendricks, for that matter, they mean more to the Cubs than they would mean in a potential deal. Kyle Hendricks, you said, is one of the best starters in the game, I think, or something along those lines. And yeah, for sure. He means a lot more to the Cubs. His value is a lot more for the Cubs than other teams might see. And the numbers suggest he's should, that shouldn't be the case. He should be valued by everybody. Um, Rizzo means a lot more to the Cubs and the city and the fan base and everybody in, in that clubhouse. Uh, Javi Baez, I don't, I don't think they trade Javi Baez. I don't know what people, I don't know what you could get back for him where it'd be worth it with the next year's uh, shortstop market. And even with all the Bryant buzz, I think it makes more sense to hold on to him because even with the the cost cutting, the the trimming of the payroll that we've seen, what are you going to get back unless you eat some money? And if you eat money. Let's say, okay, last year was 60 games and prorated salaries. If it's prorated again and you throw in $5 million, all of a sudden you might be paying half his salary or something, just right. depending on how many games there right, are. Right, right, I think it makes more sense to hold on to him, like I said earlier, especially if you're competing and he's doing well. He's a key part of that success. You can then broach, depending on what you're doing this season, okay, do we trade this guy and get something back, capitalizing, uh, I think, a likely bounce back, or do we hang on to him for our own benefit? It does. It doesn't make sense to trade him now, unless I'm just totally underestimating the financial aspect of it, and 
uh, the, the necessary money moving that may need to be done. And I, I, I'm not sure if there's, if they're still looking to maybe keep cutting costs or, or not cutting costs, but trim the payroll or not. But I don't think it makes sense to do it, especially because you, even though his, he'd only have half a season left, you might be able to get more of the deadline at that point. Yeah, that was kind of the, uh, I think that was the uh, common sentiment of people that I've talked to that said, yeah, I don't really necessarily see a Bryant getting traded now. And who knows of the trade deadline, but I think a lot of people think that, at least that I've talked to, think that he would still be on the team. So, you know, we're talking about a team in 2021 that has, a if it's Chris Bryant and Bias and Contreras and Hendricks, and yeah, I mean, they have parts, pieces. Like if, if those hit, if those bats come back to life, it could be a huge difference maker. And we've been waiting for that forever. And, you know, I think the team looking back, it's hindsight's 2020. So it's so easy to look back and say, yeah, they held on. They try to relive the glory too long with these same guys, but we keep waiting for it. We keep talking about it, but then we're in this predicament that we're in now with the team. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how things move forward as who knows, maybe it's today we're talking about, or someone's, <laughs> you know, something's breaking. We, and, you know, you're writing about this thing or uh, in an article for tomorrow or something, but yeah, Tim, thanks so much for coming on chatting while this team is still kind of uh, together before anything else happens. I'm going to try to get this podcast up before it does break, so it's still relevant at least. <laughs> yeah, right. We saw with the Darvish deal that I think I even wrote that yeah, it's an un- unlikely they trade him, and then two days later they trade him. So Right, exactly. It's such, it's such an unpredictable time, the offseason anyway. And I usually don't put in too much stock into a GM say because you know they're not going to tip their hand. But after Darvish, you know, credit to the Padres. They look exciting. They were excited before the trades, and now they look legit legit and then the Nash I like the deal for the Nationals getting Schwarber on a one-year deal should be interesting with the power that he can provide so you know all these other teams are exciting to watch and the Cubs are not maybe maybe not exciting is not the word but they're interesting at least (laughs) yeah they uh the Cubs should be competitive the Cubs should be competitive and I think you just said it perfectly if you could win a division in a weird year granted but they went through all of that with you know great uh, great COVID protocols and no positive test among the players. And they had all these guys slumping. They could still win the division. Well, what does that mean? Granted, without Darvish, if they bounce back, that could be good for them for sure. And, you know, while I'm thinking about it, I was going to say Cap, Cap's the man because uh, I know that obviously you you know Cap very well. You work with him and stuff. And I've had him on. Like, you do this professionally, which is awesome. And I'm just doing this for fun. He still gives me the time. I call into his shows, interact with him. Uh yeah, I was I was telling him today. I said I was listening. I was like, I'm talking to Tim later. I was listening to the Cubs Talk Pod. It was great. I'm gonna have you on too later this year, Cap. And he's like, anytime. And I'm like, that's what's up because he gives me the time too. So I, obviously, you can speak to how awesome Cap is too. So I think it's awesome. Like what you're doing right now, your job's like an ideal. It's like a dream job, I think, for a lot of people. So keep crushing it. Yeah, I appreciate it. I, I wouldn't be where I am without everyone on our team. So you know, Cap's awesome. My boss, Mike Michael Dice, uh, he's awesome. Allardyce, I should say. Wow, Michael Allardyce, <laughs> uh, Gordon, Maddie. Yeah, they, they're they're great. They're barely just a great team to to work with, and uh, it's I give a lot of credit to them. It's 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 all them, all the team. <laughs> and like I said, thanks again. And yeah, definitely gonna keep uh, keep up with what you're doing on social media. Keep up with your articles and podcasts. No, I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on. It's it's always I always appreciate just people thinking of me and. The theme music for this podcast is courtesy of my guy, John Christian. He has a band called Let It Sleep. It's on Spotify. 
You can catch this podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. Go ahead, rate it five stars, leave a review. Three, two, one, zero, zero, and lift off.